We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? We're the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. They have no swag. They have no nothing. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Field of 68. After that. Hello and welcome in to Field of 68 After Dark. Yeah, that was a preview of what we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. Welcome in to the show here on a Monday. We're on SiriusXM. We are on YouTube. We are on Facebook. We are on X. Uh, so that is where you can find us uh, <laughs> on, uh, on all our various platforms. I'm John Martin holding it down tonight, joined by Rob Doster. Joined by a man who said he wants a round two. Yet last night was not enough. Kevin Sweeney wanted more. So he is back tonight with us on After Dark. Good to be with you guys as always. Big show. It's Overreaction Monday. We got some spicy ones. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But as always, uh, the results of the night. Let's start with the North Carolina Tar Heels. It's been a very interesting month for them after uh, – they, they did knock off Duke, some some tough L's, some close wins. Another one tonight, Rob, as a 15-point favorite, uh, just hold on, despite Miami being down a couple of guys, 75 to 71. Of course, the story in this one, R.J. Davis, 42 points per ESPN Stats and Info. That is tied for the most points in North Carolina history uh, in the last 50 seasons, I believe, with Shaman Williams who did it in 1998. Uh, so a huge night. There's the graphic there. You see it. I mean, you got to go way back. I mean, you're talking 60s and 70s uh, before you talk about people that did a better job than R.J. Davis did tonight of scoring the ball. Um, let's start with the team win, though, uh, Rob. What have you made of North Carolina? No other player scored in double figures for them. So these games have been tight. These games have been have been very interesting for them over the last few weeks. What do you make of the Tar Heels right now? Well, the the biggest concern that I have is the way that they close this thing out. I think that Miami went on a was it a twelve zero run in a two minute stretch to to turn what was a fifteen point blowout into a game that uh, that ended up coming going down to one possession, and then they missed five straight free throws. 
uh, with a chance to take a two possession lead um, in the final. It was like final 12 seconds or something like that. So uh, they kind of made this thing a lot more interesting than it needed to be. They played well enough to cover. Um, I wasn't complaining. I was on the under. So that uh, that worked out pretty well for me. But um, with North Carolina, I always come back to the fact that I don't know that I fully trust what they are on the defensive end of the floor. If we're talking about them making a run to a national title, right? Um, I love what they are with Elliot Cadeau and RJ Davis in the backcourt. I think the fact that RJ Davis has been allowed to be uh, the guy offensively and not have to worry about being the point guard, not have to worry about facilitating, not have to worry about doing anything other than what he did tonight. And that's going and getting buckets. Um, I think that's worked out really, really well for them. Obviously, Harrison Ingram has been a fantastic addition. He looks like the guy that was a McDonald's All-American back in 2021. Cormac Ryan's done good things, even though he didn't really shoot the ball well tonight. And Armando is Armando. I, I just, I, I think that what makes North Carolina so dangerous, Sweeney, is that you know in the back of your mind there is always the potential for R.J. Davis to do what he did tonight. And outside of him, they didn't really play all that well. They get 33 points and uh, 13 for 39 shooting for guys not named R.J. tonight, um, and they still found a way to win uh, relatively. It got a little close on the stretch, but it was a relatively comfortable win uh, that should have probably been a double-digit win. Uh, when they are at their best, this is a really damn good basketball team. Yeah, look, I think the way I would, would put it with North Carolina, and this is something that Harris Ingram said to me when I was down there um, in January, like their role allocation is outstanding. Like everybody understands who they are on this team. And that starts with R.J. Davis, right? Like they trust R.J. Davis to go create shots in big big moments of games, right? There is no question of are we posting it to Baycott? Is there another guy who's going to create it, right? Like they want the ball in RJ's hands. They can clear out. He can go get one. I thought, if anything, their offense bogged down today in those final possessions when Miami made that run because they went into such stall mode and Miami just blitzed them and forced it out of his hands and no one else really knew what to do. But I think for the most part, it's been a strength of their team all year is that they just have guys who are bought into their roles. Today, it felt like everyone outside of RJ didn't play particularly well. Obviously, Ingram and, and Ryan, I think, were a combined two for, two for 14 from three, I want to say. Uh, that's not a way to win most games, but when you have RJ Davis and you could have a special performance like that, that's the that's the recipe to to be able to win you know six in a row in March. And so, look, I didn't think it was a great performance from Carolina today against a Miami team that was very undermanned, but it was enough to win and you know a, a reminder of just how good RJ Davis is. Yeah, and and in February and late February, when everybody's sort of especially a team like Carolina at this point, they're just sort of looking to. The NCAA tournament, there, there is something to be said for just finding ways to not lose games. Lots of teams are, are losing games as we sort of stumble to the end here, and and they are finding ways to win most of them. So there's there's value in that. Rob, just to follow up discussion here on RJ, because, I mean, it was an efficient 42. I mean, it was 14 of 22 from the field, as you see there. Uh, it does feel like player of the year is, is just wrapped up. Like that's a foregone conclusion with the ED there. But sort of where does the discussion – of of rj in the in the echelon of great college players start i think it's a very easy argument to make that he needs to be a first team all-american guard right I, I think that there's i mean you look at tristan newton you look at tyler kolek you look at um some of these other guys around the country there's a lot of really good guard play in college basketball this season but for me if i was picking a team right now i think jamal shed and R.J. Davis would be the two guys that I would have as my uh, starting backcourt when it comes to first-team All-Americans. And um, a lot of that is just because of how efficient he can be when he is scoring the ball like this. I mean, look, you go 14 for 22 and 7-11 from three. 
right? Like that's that's not an easy thing to do. And I know Miami doesn't really play all that much defense, and and um, that's kind of who they are. But I, I just I think the fact that he has been allowed to be unleashed here, uh, you know, you watch this and it kind of makes me wonder what would have happened in the last couple of years of North Carolina if that backcourt was better suited to playing together, right? You see Caleb Love this year having an All-American caliber season. You see R.J. Davis this year having an All-American yep. caliber season. And last season, they were in the same backcourt playing together with Armando Baycott at the five, and they weren't able to get to the NCAA tournament. And I think that, one, kind of tells you how bad things got between them, but it's also just it, it drives home this idea that the, the fit has to be there. Right. It doesn't matter how many how much talent you put together. It's not like we're playing a video game here. This isn't uh, NCAA basketball 2025 where you just kind of put players on a court and you figure it out and you go play. Right. The pieces have to fit. The personalities have to fit. The talents have to fit. And R.J. Davis next to L.A. Cadeau, who doesn't want to do anything but pass. Right. Like his whole the whole knock on him is he can't really shoot. He don't want to do anything but pass. R.J. Davis doesn't want to do anything but shoot. You put them together and it's a great fit. Caleb Love is out there with a guy in Kyle Boswell who seems like he's scared to shoot, right? And you put him next to him, and all of a sudden you got to do that. All he wants to do is shoot. It works. It fits. And I think that this is seeing what those two kids are doing this season, seeing the way that their teams are having success this season, and seeing what they were last year when they were forced to try to survive together in the same backcourt. Personalities fit, man. Like all of that stuff matters so much, and I don't think we really give it enough consideration we were, when we are uh, kind of projecting some of these teams out. That's why it works, baby. That's why it works. I mean, you can't you can't be an extrovert and marry an extrovert. You know what I mean? It's like that's gonna be that's that's a divorce way. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you have to have a little bit of balance in your life, Rob. So yeah, I mean, you can't put Caleb Love with a with a <laughs> with somebody that you know doesn't hey, enjoy. Hey, John, there. John. Every single every single marriage has one person that does the dishes as soon as that dish is dirty and one person that leaves it in the sink to soak because you got to make sure that the dishes soak before you properly clean them, right? Every marriage yeah. has to have that combination. And every yeah. backcourt has to have a guy that wants to pass and a guy that wants That's to right. shoot. It just makes That's sense. Right. Yeah, you, you know, you, you have to have a little bit of, uh, of a balance there. I want to touch on Miami a little bit, Sweeney. Uh, I believe this is their, now their seventh loss in a row. Uh, so, of course, a team that went to the Final Four a year ago. Um, I mean, is this is this sort of feeling like the end for Jim? And, you know, if so, what, how good is that job in the ACC? I mean, look, I think Jim Laranega gets to coach as long as he wants because he's Jim Laranega. And he is – he went to a Final Four last year, went to an Elite Eight, elite eight excuse me, the year before that. Um, obviously, he's done a phenomenal job resurrecting this Miami program. But I don't think anyone would blame him if he wanted to go enjoy retirement, right? I think right. in most cases, you still see kind of the joy that he brings to the table, even in his old age, uh, to coaching coaching the game. But look, I mean, we've seen a lot of younger guys want to walk away. So especially with the you know challenges of this year, whether it's been the injuries they've dealt with, with Pack and Poplar, or um, you know some of the you know just inconsistencies and struggles, the guys that they invested a lot in, you know, would I be shocked if this is it for Jim? I wouldn't be. I'm sure it'd be a sought after job. You know, obviously, there's there's two guys in, in the state of Florida um, who are doing a phenomenal job at lower levels in, in Dusty May and Amir Abdurrahim that I think would be you know, guys you would mention for it. And you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm not I'm not I'm not wishing Jim Laranaga into retirement because I think he's obviously done a phenomenal job, had an incredible career. But uh, I think it would be a sought after job if it opens. Just another one to another one to add to the list. I mean, it's going to be a very chaotic 
carousel, and we'll see what happens with Miami. But I, I think it is worth noting. I mean, look, they had three straight years where they missed the tournament. A lot of people wrote Jim Laranega off. He turned around, right. went to the Elite Eight, and then the Final Four the next two years. So uh, certainly not well, closing I, the door and turning it around. Yeah, and I think that he also kind of legitimizes himself, right? Because those three years where they went to the tournament or didn't go to the tournament, it wasn't just like the program fell off, right? They were implicated in the FBI investigation into college basketball and were eventually cleared. And um, it took a while for them to kind of get that stink off the name of the program. And once they did, you saw what they were able to put together. That that season that they had in 2022 with, with Isaiah Wong and his kind of breakout year when they made that run to the Elite Eight, um, was a really, really impressive thing. And then they completely outdid it last year, making it to the Final Four. Um, I don't think that we gave enough credit last year to just how damn good Isaiah Wong was and just how impressive Jordan Miller were, right? Like, I think Isaiah Wong was the ACC Player of the Year. And if you listen to anything that Randolph Childress says, uh, I'm, I'm replacing him tonight, by the way. Uh, I guess I'm the, I got called in from the bullpen to actually do the show. But uh, Randolph would tell you that he – he voted for Jordan Miller last season for ACC Player of the Year. Um, and, you know, making it to the Final Four at George Mason is probably enough to kind of give you enough cachet right. that you need in these coaching streets for however long you want to be in these coaching streets. But for sure. being able to build Miami – so it, it, he did it. Like, that's the thing that I just think is so incredible about what he did. Like, he built Miami once. He won an ACC regular season title. He made a Sweet 16. He had a couple of years where they were really, really good, like back in the uh, the Shane Larkin and, and Angel Rodriguez days. Then he gets implicated in the FBI stuff. The bottom completely falls out. They're horrible, right? They're under 500 for three straight years. And then you come back and you do the exact same thing again. You go out and you make it to the Elite Eight. Then you come back as a top four seed and you make it to a Final Four when you're not supposed to make it to the Final Four. Like it's just what he does as a coach, the way he lets his players play, um, it's a lot of fun to watch, and I, I think that he deserves, like you said, Sweeney, he can leave whenever the hell he wants to leave. If he wants to stay there coaching in South Beach or in Coral Gabriel, Coral, that's a hard thing to say, Coral Gables for the next uh, next five years while he's just kind of cashing paychecks and enjoying the warm weather down there, do it, man. You earned it. Yeah, I don't think uh, Coral Gables is that hard to say, Rob. Uh, I think it's just it, it, it might have been hard for you to say. I just I and it, look, I'm not kicking him out either. I would just rather like uh, enjoy my retirement money in Coral Gables as opposed to like trying to deal with all the bullshit that I'm going to have to deal with in this day and age. You know, like I mean, it, I and, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my personality. But like, I can't wait to retire. You know, I can't wait to just not work. Like the, the like the idea of not working is oh my god that's great man you know so and I love what I do but it's just like you know what I mean Sweeney like there's something to be said for just hey man I took George Mason to a Final Four I took Miami to a Final Four I've done what I'm gonna do in this game you know like let me just enjoy my my life now uh, maybe asking the 24 year old his thoughts on retirement maybe not the smoothest way of going about things but uh, I, I would say i would agree like I, if you can if you can sit at home and enjoy the sun like look if jim laranego wants to sit on the beach for the rest of his life round of applause jim enjoy it like i hope i hope john martin's second kid was born john martin's second kid was born like three weeks ago and this dude is already sitting here saying it's time for me to retire man i gotta get out of this yeah, I, I gotta hit probably, the beach yeah. Yeah, I think I, now I, I can never retire now, as you know, Rob, like that's off the table. But uh, but I, I definitely wish I could. I just want like a vacation. I just want to go somewhere for like three weeks and then just kind of see how I feel after that. Uh, but at any rate, 
Uh, yes, Jim Laranega is not getting kicked out, but you just wonder if you know a frustrating season like this kind of makes that decision a little easier. All right, we have a lot more to get to. Baylor's going to go final, so we'll talk about that win for them. Overreaction Monday, lots more to come. You're watching Field of 68 after dark. We're on Sirius XM. Back after this. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet you can use the bonus code field 150 and you will get 150 dollars in free bets on your first wager with betmgm regardless of whether or not you win that first bet here's the best part all you need to do is deposit and bet five dollars of your hard-earned money this is how you make it work Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the betmgm app and sign up today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. We're here on Sirius XM. We're here on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We are on X. We'll be here until top of the hour. And then we're going to move over to Stadium 
the last call, which is where we're going to take all your burning questions. So get those in. If you got questions for us, we'll answer those over on Stadium <clears throat> here in about uh, 45 minutes or so. All right. Uh, on to other matters tonight. Uh, Baylor is putting the finishing touches on a very impressive road win as two and a half point underdogs on TCU. This, of course, Rob, is after a, a really soul crushing loss in overtime against Houston, where you know, they get in such a huge hole, a 17 point hole in the first half, fight all the way back, have a chance to, to take the lead there at the free throw line late. And unfortunately, a uh, big man can't convert, and Houston gets it done uh, in overtime. What do you make of Baylor just the last couple of couple of games and coming out on the road, which, as we know, is very difficult to do and getting a win that looks like this at TCU? I mean, it could have been very easy for them to to go to TCU, who's good, and uh, laid an egg and find a way to lo lose a game to a team that can get up and down the floor, that is tough and physical defensively, that kind of wants to climb up in you and um, and – it's nice to see them be able to bounce back and not have to have that carryover, right? Like this, the the game that they lost was only forty eight hours ago. It was Saturday afternoon. We're not talking about something where they had, um, you know, a couple couple days to be able to sit here and try to prepare. It's basically like Saturday, you go home, you rest up, you come back Sunday, um, and you're already traveling on the way to 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 get to the um, to get to TCU. So uh, to see them have this turnaround win is big. Um, I. I'm so torn on this Baylor team. Like I'm, I just, I don't think they have what they need on the defensive end. And I thought that they were going to be better this year being able to guard the ball. I thought the addition of Jaden Nunn, uh, I thought that bringing in Jacoby Walter, who's big and long and athletic and, and has all the uh, physical tools that you need to be a good defender. Um, I thought that it would kind of make up for some of the deficiencies that they had on that end of the floor, but it turns out they're just, you know, they're kind of having the same struggles they did last year when it comes to getting stops. And uh, to me, I would put them, they're in the same conversation as the Kentuckys of the world, as the Alabamas of the world, as these teams that can go out and they can put up 90 to 95 points on you on the nights when they're playing well, and they can look like the best team in college basketball on the nights when they're playing well. And then all of a sudden it's one of those nights where the defense just doesn't show up um, and the shots, the shots aren't going down and uh, they can kind of get picked off. So they haven't been blown out of any games this year. They haven't had any, really embarrassing performances outside of the the Michigan State one back in December. But um, I don't know. I am I, I am not as sold on this Baylor team as I was the last couple of years with them. I think yeah, they've shown sweetie. a lot of grit. I was just going to say, I think they've shown a ton of grit the last two games. I mean, for, for one, as, as Rob said, mm -hmm. to go on the road 48 hours after a gut-wrenching loss and not only play – really well, but defend at a super high level. I mean, this has maybe been their best defensive performance of the year against TCU. Obviously, part of that's TCU not known as being a great shot-making team. We understand that. But I think big picture, it's, it's really impressive the way that they responded and really impressive the way that they responded against Houston, right? I mean, they got popped in the mouth. They could have rolled over against the number one team in the country, and they battled back and really should have won that game. So, Look, I think to me, I've been waiting to see the toughness, right? The, the, the different level of edge that this Baylor team has to say, all right, yes, we know we can outscore you, but we can beat you in other ways yep. too. And I think we've started to see that here the last two games. That's an encouraging sign to me about this Baylor Bears ball club.
Yeah, and I just yeah, want to look, shout out I, Eve Missy too, um, John. He, he he is the guy that you referenced that missed the free throw. He had a layup that would have put them ahead in overtime where he caught it and he went up to go try to dunk it. And yeah. I don't know how he threw it over the backboard, but he threw it over the backboard. He had an offensive yeah. rebound where uh, it was, should have been a tip dunk that he it didn't come off the rim. Or I'm sorry, it should have been uh, – it was a shot that was going in and he went to try to tip dunk it and he got called for offensive goaltending. So he cost his team a lot of points down at the stretch of the game. And it'd be very easy to, for anybody to point, especially himself, to look at himself in the mirror and say, that was that's on me. I'm the reason why we didn't win that game. And he came out tonight, 16 points, six and nine from the floor, and a very nice four for four from the free throw line. So um, shout out to him, man. That's not, look, when you are a freshman in college and can bounce back from something as painful as that to come out and have this kind of performance, um, leading scorer for the team, that says a lot. Yeah, I Look, in a, in a year where it's like there's maybe a couple of teams that I would actually consider to be ahead above the rest, I'm I'm pretty intrigued by Baylor. Like they shoot the free throw, they they shoot their free throws well. They have a couple of fr uh, freshmen there, especially there Jacoby Walter, who we know can you know get off and 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 score it well. Like they they're intriguing enough to me, Rob. Like if you're just talking about you know long shots, a team that's sort of outside the power structure. I mean, I know you just said that you're not sold on them, but you know, if we're talking about through the lens of a, a team that we don't consider a consensus, you know, great one, you know, why not Baylor? I mean, there's there's some fun there to be had with that group. Well, I, I think that they can beat literally anybody in college basketball on any given night, right? Like, I think that there's going to – if they play UConn, there's a world where they make 14 of 28 from beyond the arc. Even Missy outplays out Donovan Klingon, they can beat UConn, right? I think you can probably say the same thing about Purdue. But I also worry about the nights when those threes aren't going down. Like when you are, yeah. when you can't guard and you are a team that um, that shoots as many threes as they do, that relies on being one of the top two three point shooting teams in all of college basketball. Uh, I think that that right. is, you know, what, what's the saying? You live by the three, you die by the three. Um, so I think that that that's just that's the concern that I have with them. Yeah, uh, let's just sort of handicap the Big Twelve here. Houston's on top. Uh, Iowa State's, you know, bearing down on them there at 10 and 4. Uh, Sweeney, can anybody catch Houston? I mean, it just feels like when they can go on the road and beat Baylor like that, it's sort of hard to pick against them. I mean, what a job Kelvin Sampson has done coming into this league and taking over from day one. I mean, that to me is the story. Yeah, I mean, even if Kansas beats them a second time, you know, it would require Houston to lose again, whether it's to Cincinnati, Oklahoma, or UCF. And those are, you know, the bottom half of, of this Big 12. I think Houston is in full control of this Big 12 title race. And, and as you said, John, like, unbelievable coaching job, right? I mean, I remember Kelvin Sampson at, at Big 12 Media Day saying, like, there, there, there's, there's no, you know, there's no small dogs in the Big 12. Like, it's all... There's no Shih Tzus. Right. Like it's, it's all it's all tough. It, it's it, it's everybody is scary every night. And he walked in there and was the biggest dog there is. Like they're number one in Ken Palm. You know, top five in Ken Palm. Four years running now. Um, lose Jarris Walker and Marcus Sasser. Like you're not supposed to be able to do that, right? Like nowhere else in college basketball that is not like the blue blood of the you know, the bluest of blue blood is losing multiple first round picks and turning around the next year and being as good if not better is moving up going to a new from, league too sweeney yeah, it's not yeah, just being better they're going to a new league yes and not just moving up new league moving from a league that was borderline mid-major to the toughest league in college basketball 
and may win that league by two games. Like, if they beat Kansas to end the season, they're going to win the league by two games. How unbelievable is that? Well, I think it's also a testament to, I mean, it, it, is, it is a testament, too, to the way that Houston scheduled, right? Like, they were – like, Kelvin always prepared his teams in the non-conference. So, you just kind of invert it, right? So, you play – and I'm not saying every game they played in the non-conference was was brutal, but they had, they, had, they had no problems playing at Alabama, right? I mean, they would go out and they would try to kind of game. So – and it's also Rob a style that just – I mean, it's physical. You know, it travels. Yeah, that's – so – my 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 concern with them was what happens on the nights when the shots aren't going down, right? Or I'm sorry, what what happens on the nights when the team that you play is making shots? At, like I think at the end of the day, great offense is always going to end up beating great defense, and I feel like there's going to be a point in time where Houston runs into a team that is making a lot of really difficult shots and really on fire from three, and that can kind of take them down. And I'm, the more I watch them. And the more I'm sitting here, I'm like, maybe that just doesn't even matter with this group, right? Like, Jamal Shedd is so impactful on both ends of the floor. He's the head, of, the head of the snake for them offensively and defensively. He is the reason why their defense can operate with the level of pressure that they do. He is why they get as many easy shots as they do for guys like Jawan Roberts and Javier Francis and Emmanuel Sharp and LJ Cryer. Um, they have three guys that can really fill it up on their perimeter. And they just understand and know who they are, how they want to play, and what – the job is for them, right? And I think we talked about this a little bit with with R.J. Davis and Caleb Love and the way that they're kind of built. But uh, the more that I watch this group play and the more that I see them just kind of keep rolling through the Big 12, which, like, I think is uh, is a little bit overrated in how good it is. Um, there's just so many teams that are, like, all kind of as good as each other and as good as, as the next guy. But um, to see them just continually roll through the conference is, is a really, really impressive thing. And I'm kind of at the point where I, I don't think it's just UConn and Purdue anymore. I think it's UConn, Purdue, and Houston in terms of the top tier in college basketball. And that's not something – anyone that listens to the show knows that's not something that I, I would have said uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. But they just keep doing it, man. Like, And at some point, you kind of got to like just tip your cap and say, all right, you know what? I might have gotten yep. this one wrong. That like They are just – they're – they know who they are, and they play to that style, and it's they, that is something that's really, really impressive to watch. Yeah, the, the names change and the faces change, but the production doesn't. I mean, that's all Kelvin, man. That's all Kelvin, and the credit to the culture that he's built. The conference changes, doesn't matter. Uh, the, the, the production and the wins are still there. I mean, I think that's just, it's as good of a job as you will see in college basketball. I want to hit this real quick, Sweeney. Uh, Jerome Tang has never lost in overtime. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's just like a, uh, you know, he's just living right. But the variance is on his side, 94-90 in overtime. Uh, they blow a huge lead in the second half to get there. But I guess all is well that ends well. Tyler Perry has 29. As, again, they beat uh, West Virginia 94-90 in overtime. They do have three quad one opportunities here to end the season. Uh, any reason to believe, Sweeney, that they can take advantage of them at this point? I mean, I haven't been sold with just how they played recently. Uh, obviously, beating BYU over the weekend was big, but like, I just it just has felt like one step forward, two steps back with this group. And even today, you know, an opportunity where all right, you're coming off a big win over BYU, you get the worst team in the league at home, you're up by 25, everything's great, you're cruising to smoke that lead like that. That scares me a little bit with, with K State, and I just haven't seen it. Again, they're not that far off because they have wins over Kansas and Baylor. 
because they did a little bit in the non-conference, right? Beat Villanova in non-conference, beat Providence, who's a bubble team in the non-conference. Um, but I think they're going to have to win at minimum two and maybe even all three to put themselves in the NCAA tournament. I, I would say at minimum, they got to get the two uh, of them, which means a road win at Cincinnati or a road win at Kansas, and then beating Iowa State won't be easy. Minute or less, yeah. Rob. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, just go ahead. No, I just they, I think that with the way that they're – uh, resume kind of looks right now. They probably need to win um, at least two, if not all three of the games that they have left. And they are at Cincinnati, at Kansas, and Iowa State at home. Like, that, that they're probably not winning all three of those. We're talking about a team that just lost seven out of eight, right? So um, in terms of why uh, they're winning in overtime, um, I think that Tang's biggest mistake is that he's not trying to play for overtime more. Right. Like, I think you just got to try to get to overtime because, you know, your record is seven and zero when you get to OT When you don't go to overtime, right? Overtime right now, you are nine and eleven overall. I think that that is uh, that is a coaching mistake on Tang's part. He's got to find a way to get more games um, into overtime. Um, and I will just say this. I saw the stat. It came from the Sickles committee. Uh, there are 19 teams in college basketball that have less than seven wins this season. And uh Kansas State has seven wins in overtime. It's I've never seen anything like this. He's twelve and in overtime. I think Florida State had a run where they won fourteen straight overtime games. I think we can get there by the end of the season, right? I think Tank can pull this one off, play for overtime, get to that extra frame, and guarantee yourself a win at Kansas and at home against Iowa State, and that probably gets him in the dance. Play for overtime, coach. You got this. Just keep running. Ot just Tang, keep baby. Eleven, man. He just keeps rolling. Sevens and elevens. We'll come back with Overreaction Monday. We're going to throw some spicy ones back to stick around. Field of 68 after dark. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one when tom and yes i am calling him tom we're on a first name basis these days co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all of your college hoops content you want in one place you get articles from your favorite writers pods from your favorite hosts Contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot. The autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up and status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back, Field of 68 After Dark. Thanks for being with us here on a Monday. I'm John Martin. He's Rob Doster. He's Kevin Sweeney. You can see all of our causes. My cause, my cleats, is to abolish the AP poll, which we're going to get into a little bit later. Rob, do you know what day it is? 
Uh, it is Monday, which means it is time for some overreactions, I believe. It's time to make like my wife and overreact. <laughs> Let's get it. Oh, she always overreacts. Unbelievable. Let's start with this one. Houston, Rob's love child, better than UConn and Purdue. I'll take that one first. Um, I don't, I'm not ready to say that they are better than them, but I am ready to say that they belong in the same tier as, as UConn and Purdue. I, I said this the other day. I feel like we got a little bit ahead of ourselves in saying that UConn and Purdue had fully separated from the rest of college basketball. Uh, the, the Purdue plays in a conference that uh, might as well be a mid-major outside of uh, themselves. Once you get outside of West Lafayette, Indiana, they play home games in Ann Arbor. Okay, that's the situation that we're talking about right now with the Purdue Boilermakers. So um, I think that they kind of uh, you get through the rolling in the league, you get a bunch of wins, and um, it's it's a little bit of a different level than what Houston has been able to do as they're running through the Big Twelve. Same thing with UConn. If you looked at their schedule, it was really really backloaded, and they played a bunch of like the bubble teams in the Big Twelve. They played DePaul and Georgetown twice each, and they put together this fourteen nothing. A uh, fourteen game winning streak that was really damn impressive, but uh, it also came against like a bunch of bubble teams and teams that UConn should have beaten and won all of those games by double digits. So, um, I think that the the level of separation that we kind of viewed uh, between UConn and Purdue and the rest of the field was probably bigger than it deserved to be. And I think that Houston has proven that the last couple of weeks doing things like oh, going on the road and uh, and beating a really good Baylor team. So. Um, I'm in on, on Houston. I think it's a top three and then everybody else. Uh, and I don't think it's as big of a separation as we probably saw before. Sweeney, am I crazy? Uh, I don't think you're crazy. Look, I think the thing to me that I was probably more curious about with Houston to get them into that Purdue-UConn category was I just thought the makeup offensively. And we talked about it a little bit last segment, right? Like, like how do they generate consistent offense, right? I felt like with – with UConn, they had multiple ways they could score, right? They could flow into ball screens with with Tristan Newton. They can, you know, go into you know off off ball action and and get open shots for their shooters with Caravan and um, obviously Camp Spencer. They could post up with Klingon, right? Like they have they have so many options. And Purdue obviously can go to Edie. They can play in ball screens with Braden Smith, right? Like they have they have so many different ways that they could score. I felt with with Houston, what would we see when you know things would go wrong offensively and. I think we've started to learn that Jamal Shedd can be that takeover guy. And so if he can be that dude, and he has been in a lot of these big games for them, then they have an opportunity to be just as good as UConn and Purdue. I think they belong in that conversation. So I won't say that they're better. I know that Ken Palm does. I cannot say that they are better, but I think they are on that same tier. If we are building the tier one title contender list, it is Purdue, UConn, and I'm willing to include Houston in that conversation. I'm willing to include. Did you hear that? It's like charity over here. I'm willing to allow Kelvin Sampson, who has finished no lower than top two in Ken Palm since 2021. <laughs> Sweeney's willing to yeah. willing to include him in the top tier. Kevin Sweeney. I don't. I don't year old. think they were. I don't think they were waiting for the invitation. I will say though. I will <laughs> say a guy. I would just love to see the matchup with either of these teams, Houston and UConn, Houston, Purdue, simply just because I want to see what Klingon and I want to see what Edie would do against Houston's physical front. Like it's, it's obvious like with like Juwan, Juwan Roberts is not going to just like, he, he's not going to overwhelm you. He's not going to try to look to score the ball necessarily, but like we know 
what he does with his physicality. He's going to be undersized. He's going to be at a disadvantage there. But, Rob, brother, I would love to see it. I would love to see the Houston front line against either of those guys. I hope we get it. Hey, can I tell you this, um, John? Where are you from? 901. Memphis 10. From Memphis, right? Memphis is yes. in what conference? The American Athletic Conference, baby. Let's go. <laughs> is there anybody happier, anyone happier to see Houston off doing this to, to a different league than uh, than the league that you have been watching for the last uh, – uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, like that's why – like I have a soft spot for Houston, you know, I just because I, I, I've seen it up close, man. I've seen it up close. Because <laughs> they're gone now. Close. Yeah, you love and them yeah, now. Like, you hated them last year. <laughs> I, I, I love the, 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 the meetings, though. I loved getting a chance to like see Kelvin Sampson do his thing in the forum. You know, I miss that. Cause like D Dusty May is, you know, an FAU, like that, that was the whole thing. Oh, they're going to come in and they're going to replace bro. That I was sold a bill of goods. I was sold a bill of goods. Yeah, you got lied. You guys it was actually Amir Abdurrahim. Who told me that? Who told me that bullshit? Uh, anyway, we did that yesterday. We did that yesterday. We don't have to overreact again, Rob. You're getting me all hot and bothered. All right, let's move forward. This is Tom Izzo's last year coaching basketball. Uh, no, I don't think it is. I, I, there's no, there is absolutely no chance that Tom Izzo was going to go out in the on on a season like this, right? Where it's it's frustrating and it's disappointing, and they don't live up to expectations and and. Uh, I, I don't. I think that they'll probably still make the NCAA tournament. Doesn't seem like that's necessary, necessarily a guarantee at this point. And uh, if Tom Izzo, Tom freaking Izzo, is not going out in the NIT, he is not going out in a year where uh, they underwhelm uh, what their expectations are coming into the season. That ain't happening, right? He's going to have a year where he does something good, where he wins the Big Ten, where he makes a Final Four, where they win the Big Ten tournament. He's going out on top somehow. He ain't going out like this. It's Tom Izzo we're talking about. That's not happening. Sweeney, I think the only thing I would say. I think the only thing I would say in response to that, Doster, and I don't disagree with you, um, is if Tom Izzo no longer feels like he can win at the highest level with the way that he wants to build a program, right? Like we know Tom Izzo is not going to compromise who he is as a coach. He's not going to all of a sudden say, all right, we got to go take six transfers. We got to take seven transfers. We got to turn this thing around with, you know, you know, mercenaries, ringers, whatever you want to call them, right? Like that's not who Izzo is. It's never who he's going to be. And I think if he got to this offseason and he looked up big picture and was like, look, the only way that we're going to get back to at Michigan State to get back to where I had this program at its peak is doing things a way that I don't endorse, then I will walk away and, and do something else. I, I could see that happening. That being said, I do think that that – I think he's got longer than this year in him. I think he's got one or two more years at minimum before – he, he maybe comes to that realization, but I do think that, you know, the game changing is not something that necessarily Izzo appreciates or wants. And I don't, I, I wouldn't blame him if he just you know, wanted to walk away and not have to deal with that anymore. Look, I, I get it. And I get what you're saying. And, and I totally sympathize with the idea of a guy that has been doing something one way for 25 years at the highest level that has to all of a sudden find a way to do it differently because these rules have changed. Um, uh, kind of underneath his feet. Uh, at the same time, um, if you want to be able to win now, you have to go out and you have to be able to recruit some of these transfers that will be eligible immediately. Like freshmen just aren't going to do it right now, unless you are going to have the, the in this, in, in today's day and age, in today's game, what Kentucky is doing is not the norm. 
right? Starting with playing with all of these freshmen and being able to develop kids. That, that's something you can still do within your program. UConn is doing it right now, right? They have freshmen that are not really playing all that many minutes and Jalen Stewart and solo ball and Yusuf Samgara and then Jaden Ross and some of these other guys. And, uh, they have guys that have been in their program for two, three, four years, right? The reason why they won the national title last year is because Andre Jackson was there for three seasons, uh, three seasons and developed. Adama Sanogo was there for three seasons and developed. You built a culture. You can still do it, but you have to supplement what you're doing by going out in the portal and getting some older guys, right? You shouldn't be relying on bringing in a bunch of freshmen to fill the holes in your roster. You should be going out and doing some of that with, 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 with transfers that still – check all the boxes of the kind of human being that you want to bring in, right? It's still very much doable. Just instead of going out and bringing in five freshmen in a class, you go and you get two or three, you get two or three transfers, and boom, you're done. That's how you end up building these classes. I, I just – I think the refusal to do it and to kind of get in the portal is a little bit of stubbornness, and and uh, he's going to have to find a way to adapt or it's going to keep going like this for him, and I think that he will – he's too damn competitive to not adapt. But he might be too stubborn not to. I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, last one here uh, before we uh, get to break and hit the back half. Ricky P, Ricky White Suit, and St. John's will make the NCAA tournament. Of course, got the win over Creighton, which it sort of feels like they had to have uh, to, you know, make that a, a credible resume. And they got it. And they got it in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, Rob, Start with you. St. John's makes tournament. Overreaction? Yes. Uh, I I think they have to win at Butler. Like the the win at Butler is non negotiable. They end the season with DePaul and Georgetown, so like they're winning their last two games. DePaul and Georgetown, neither of them have beaten a team in the Big East this season that is not named DePaul or Georgetown. DePaul is winless. Georgetown has two wins. Both of them came against DePaul. So St. John's is going to win those two games. They have to win at Butler because right now they are two and nine against quad one opponents, and they have a quad three loss on their resume. They are, I mean, Sweeney, you are more in tune with the bubble stuff than me, but they are out right now, and I don't think that they are even one of the first four out if I was going to be putting together a bracket. Um, the loss at home to Michigan is not something that has aged very well at all. Beating Creighton at home was massive for them because that's the first win that they have over a team that you could be considered as – uh, like a quad, what, what's Rocco's favorite phrase? Quad one A wins. That's the only yes. time that you have a quad one A win um, in uh, this season on the resume. So um, they have to win these three, and then they probably have to find a way to win a couple of games in the Big East tournament. Like they are, I don't even know if they're next four out, Sweeney. I, I think that they have like they probably have like six to eight teams that they have to jump. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say they get it done. It's Rick Patino, man. He busted well, up. I mean, the I'm trying to figure out. You know, are you are you whole game? Because Sweeney, he says he isn't. Now he's trying to tell them they're, they're next four out. I mean, which is it, man? You know, are you a bracket guy or not? I'm a, they're, I'm, they're I am the, an everything guy. I can be whatever I want to be, John. <laughs> Don't try to limit me. Don't hold me down. Can't put, can't put Rob D in a box. All right, Sweeney, can they make the tournament? Will they make the tournament? Uh, I'm going to say they won't, but I will say this. Like, Ooh. don't let it come down to a game at – Madison Square Garden in the corner quarterfinals against like Marquette or Creighton first spot in the tournament because we know what's happening in that game if that's what we get to right don't let St. John's beat Butler beat DePaul beat Georgetown be 19 and 12 you know right on the bubble right at the cut line heading in and playing a 2-7 game versus Marquette because we know we know what Rick Pitino is doing in that game he is coming out in the white suit and they're winning that game at the garden so look I 
I think they find a way to screw. I I don't think they can quite get there. I think they will lose to Butler on Wednesday and that will end it. But don't let them beat Butler now because if they do, watch out. I just, I've just really, I really loved his willingness to come out after every loss and just not mince words about how shitty it makes him feel. Like, I just, I, I just, I feel like that's the most relatable thing any college coach has done this year. It's like every loss, it's like, I want to go outside. I want to die of frostbite. This is the most miserable experience of my entire life. You know, and I'm like, I, Rob, I relate to that, bro. Like, I'm just like, you know, I lose a bet. I, I mean, it's the most miserable experience of my life. Yeah, well, look, you know what? You got to you gotta find a way to be able to phrase it a little bit better. Maybe don't throw all of your players under the bus. You know, maybe don't yeah. uh, take shots at every single one of them. Maybe just the guys that you're trying to motivate a little bit. But like, it is, it's Rick Pitino, man. He's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do. He's going to say whatever the hell he wants to say. And he's going to contradict himself in the very next press conference. Like, he doesn't remem- remember what he said 20 hours earlier it's like uh whenever i promise my wife that i'm gonna go out and take out the 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 trash or or do the laundry or fold the dishes or whatever it ends up being uh, i gotta find a way to be able to uh to say oh sorry i forgot we'll come back talk a little kentucky a little ap poll mr everything kevin sweeney john martin you're watching build a 68 after dark we're back after this What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs the biggest names in college basketball media and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport for just 50 dollars for the year you get access to the same information that the insiders get And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the fieldof68.shop. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark here on a Monday. Appreciate you guys. Uh, making us a small part of your Monday. We are bearing down. Is this this is the last Monday of the regular season, right? Or am I making that up? Is there one more week? Am I fast forwarding? 
I'm fast forwarding, man. I'm, I'm just like every other college basketball team. We're just ready to fast forward to the NCAA tournament. Okay, so we have one more regular season week. This is the second to last, uh, and we appreciate you spending a little bit, little bit of time with us here on a Monday. I'm John Martin, joined uh, tonight by Kevin Sweeney and Mr. Unlimited, Unlimited Rob Doster. We are continuing our overreaction Monday, so let's get to it while we have a little bit of time left here on Sirius Kentucky. Not only is Kentucky back, Rob, they're the best team in the Southeastern Conference. Oh, man. Um, I don't know if I would quite go that far, but I will say this. Uh, in the last four games, they've played eight halves of basketball. And I would say in uh, probably five and a half of those eight halves of basketball, they've been really impressive on the defensive end of the floor. I thought they were really good against Mississippi. I thought that they were fantastic at Auburn. One of the best defensive performances I've seen from a Kentucky team in a long time. First half against LSU, they gave up 27 points. Uh, they melted down to the second half. It is what it is. You got a bunch of freshmen. I thought against Alabama, um, the probably the first about 30 minutes of that game before it ended up being a blowout, but I thought that they were really, really impressive defensively there as well and the big thing with them is that if they guard we know what their firepower is offensively if they guard then they are going to be a team that is going to be a nightmare they are like look we said it earlier right baylor mm -hmm. alabama kentucky all of these teams are kind of these defense optional teams where you have to say if they get stops they can do this if they do that they can make a run um and i think that what we've seen from kentucky is They've figured out a little bit the rotations that they need to use to be able to find a way to make a run. And it helps that Justin Edwards looks like he has kind of gotten the confidence and put some things together a little bit, right? And it helps that uh, it feels like DJ Wagner has kind of figured out that, okay, look, I'm going to have to be the best on-ball defender if I'm going to have a chance to win. And most importantly, it feels like uh, Coach Cal has really kind of gotten to the point where he knows he has to play Uganda and yes with the five like 32 38 minutes a game right you big z i know he had 18 points the other night like a lot of that came in garbage time he he's still lost right. defensively aaron bradshaw he ain't ready for the sec on the defensive end of the floor he ain't ready offensively either um Ghana and yes has got to be your like 30 plus minute a game guy at the five and if you do that and Justin Edwards continues this upward trajectory, and DJ Wagner keeps putting in that effort on the defensive end, and you keep finding ways to be able to make sure you get Dillingham and Reed Shepard like 55 to 60 minutes between them, Kentucky's going to be really, really damn good. And uh, the turnaround that they've made in the last two weeks on the defensive end, of the, I never would have seen this coming. I've been so impressed by what they've turned into uh, and since, you know, since they were embarrassed by Gonzaga, embarrassed by Tennessee. Sweeney. What, what if I told you there was an SEC team that already is elite defensively, that has an elite ISO scorer, that has an elite point guard? I'd say that's the best team in the SEC. That's Tennessee, right? That's mm -hmm. that's Dalton Connect. That's Zakai Ziegler, who's been phenomenal lately. Like, they have dominated teams the last four games. Like, they have been really, really good. And with, with ADU continuing to emerge, like, to me – I know we haven't had these games right yet. Like, like the SEC race is still so up for grabs because there are so many games against these top four teams down the stretch, right? Tennessee schedule, home Auburn, at Alabama, at South Carolina, home Kentucky. It's a gauntlet. But my prediction is that Tennessee is going to control that stretch. They're going to win three out of four 
of that stretch. And if they do, they're going to win the SEC championship. And to me, like that team, I know, I know the you know concerns about Rick Barnes and Marks, the concerns about the offense, the things we've gone over year after year after year. I also just watch them play, and I think this is a different Tennessee. I think this is a a team that has an elite shot maker in Dalton Connect who can take over and uh, gives them option to win games. That has a point guard who can play make and get others involved. That has guys in their proper roles, right? Like Josiah James being a, a glue guy, Viscovi hitting shots, Adu in pick and pop. Like I just feel like they have the options uh, and the depth that it takes to really make a move in March. And to me, to me, Tennessee is the best team in the SEC. Hey, John, do you think he's willing to allow Tennessee to be in the the SEC favorite conversation? Well, you have to ask him. You'll have to ask him nicely. <laughs> I think Tennessee will have to ask him pretty please. Can, will, will you allow them? Will you allow, no, look, I think I think the road to, to hell is is paved with believing in Rick Barnes in March. Like what I, I, like what would define the best though? Is it like who goes the furthest in the tournament? Like that's you know what I mean? Or is, is it just who looks them in the regular season? Like, how do we define best in this context, Rob? Well, I look, I I actually, you know, I, I just sang the praises of Kentucky. But I do believe that Tennessee is the, air quotes, best team in the SEC. They guard the hell out of the ball, and they have the one guy in the conference that, like, can go out and get you 35 or 40, literally on any given night, because he's done it probably eight times this season, right, in Dalton Connect. Yep. Um, the reason why I trust them more is that they, when they get to, like, big possessions down the stretch of a game, like, watch them. They don't even call offense anymore. They don't even run sets. They don't do anything other than just give the ball to Dalton, say, get the hell out of the way. He sits there. He figures out whatever guy, whatever big guy he could take advantage of. He calls him up for a ball screen, and they go and they play a two-man game with shooters in the corners and Zakai Ziegler on the wing, right? That's what they do. That is their offense on big possessions down the stretches of games. And they just say, hey, we got to do this. Probably the He's 23 years old. He's going to be a top-10 pick. He's going to be scoring 15 points a game in the NBA next year. Try to stop him. Good luck. See what happens. Right. And I do think that there's an element of uh, – you know, what do they call it in AAU? It's the do him offense, right? Where you just give the ball to your best player and say, get the hell out of the way. Like, normally that's not a great way to coach, but sometimes when you got Dalton Connect, like, that might just be the best way for Rick Barnes to coach down the stretch of games. Yep. All right. Uh, last one here before we uh, get ready to head over to stadium, which is that the AP poll should be destroyed, ended, eradicated, abolished, abandoned ended forever rob um i don't necessarily think that it needs to be abolished i just i feel like there can be some additions to the people that are are voting in the poll right like uh, if you are and I, I have a great deal of respect for the the people that are beat writers that are covering one team that are locked in on one team that are focused on one team but if you are locked in and focused on one team and you are covering let's just say north carolina Right. And they play a two o'clock game on a Saturday. You got to get to the arena by noon. You're covering that game the whole day. You're in press conferences until like five or six and you're writing your story. You're probably not getting home until like seven or eight. You miss the entire day of basketball. What are you watching? How are you able to watch these teams? How are you able to know uh, what some of the teams around the country are doing? Right. And I'll give you another perfect example. When um, when I was writing for NBC, I had a vote in the AP poll. When I started the field of 68, my vote got revoked. So they are saying that they're like, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but 
Um, if I'm not one of the 65 people that you want voting on who's going to be in the top 25, like I just, it feels very strange to me that as I get more immersed in college basketball, uh, they, they pulled that vote out of my, uh, cold lifeless fingers and uh, I've missed it ever since. But, um, that's where I stand on the AP poll. I, the people that I don't think the people that are, are voting in it are sitting here saying we're trying to mess this thing up, but, uh, I think you need to be able to expand the number of people that are voting in this to add some uh flavor in terms of who is actually watching all of the teams across the country like like i said if you're locked in on one team it's impossible to be able to cover everything else in college basketball when your entire day on a saturday is devoted to to one team in one program sweeney rob left you uh, four seconds go i just think that we need an overhaul in thinking right the ap poll is not built on the AP poll currently is voted on based on who lost most recently. That is a really stupid way of operating, right? Like you gotta see, yes, gotta, gotta, can't miss the forest for the trees. Like, like we gotta, we gotta think bigger. And I think the AP poll is very flawed right now. Yeah. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put in vaulted right now as we speak that the number 25 team in this AP poll is not going to get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. In fact, not going to make the NCAA tournament at all. That's what I'm going to put in there. Let's end our reliance on the thing. You can do it. You can have people vote on it, but we don't need to rely on this thing as some barometer of who the good teams in college basketball are and who aren't because it's clearly not uh, indicative whatsoever. Vaulted is where I'm putting it. It's an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It's the place for you to store your own predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. Go download the Vaulted app spelled V-L-T-E-D challenge your friends store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee all right we are moving over to stadium for last call so we're going to get to all of your questions uh that you've sent throughout the night appreciate you guys spending some time with us tonight or rob doster or kevin sweeney i'm john martin we'll see you tomorrow and catch you on stadium